Today you're listening to Patty Detweiler at the BNB Expert, and the topic is going to be insurance in the aftermath of the coronavirus. And I have with me Tom Norush of the Florida Hospitality Insurance, who is an expert and specializes in hospitality insurance. So welcome, Tom. Um, Thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad you're here to help us sort out a lot of the insurance issues that people do or don't understand or are in the middle of. And I appreciate anything you can contribute. And if there's anything you would like to tell the audience about yourself, please do so. Um, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about what insurance will and will not cover in these areas. And when I say this, this isn't something that's new. I've been an agent now for just over 27 years. And in 27 years, my quest has been more Don Quixote-like than Lancelot-like. Because the general public doesn't understand what they're buying. And to the people that are going to be hearing this podcast, you will fall legally under what's called the sophisticated consumer rule, which goes against you in a court of law. The sophisticated consumer rule in layman's terms states that you, by default, as a business owner, manager, or person of authority, are used to reading legal contracts. You have a broader definition and understanding than a Joe Lunchbox says about how a contract is written. So Mm. it behooves you to have read the contract in its entirety before you sign it. Now, all insurance policies are contracts of adhesion. So one co- one side creates all of the necessary documents, and the other side then agrees to them. So whether you know it or not, you have agreed to all the terms that were preset. And that's a big thing right now, particularly in the COVID-19 era. A lot of people are not aware of what is and is not covered, and the media has done a great job sensationalizing it, but they're not really providing any information. Well, that's so, let me let me just say, and as a business person, we should all read our contracts, and yes. I think that we make the assumption that uh, things are covered. And or we try or people sell us stuff we don't need and we'll and we'll never be able to collect on anyway. But in particular, you know, what is the story with in properties um, that had income protection insurance uh, in the aftermath of this coronavirus? What have you seen out there? All right. The, the first thing right up front, all insurance policies, every single property policy that's written in the United States has a direct physical loss condition in the policy, which means that whatever is impacting the end has to be direct physical loss. In the majority of instances, I have yet to hear about where a company came in and they found COVID-19 in your business. So you weren't actually impacted by the virus itself. You were impacted by the state or your federal government closing your doors. But let me ask you, Tom, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, please. If, when you say direct physical loss to me, 
I feel like the money that didn't come in is my physical loss. You know, you we understand hurricanes and physical damage, but when you think of, yes, this is physical damage because I can't touch my money anymore. Yeah. Um, the best example I can give you is think back to the Gulf oil spill that happened in 2006 and 2007, mm -hmm. where the, the floating derrick out there blew its cap and we just had millions of gallons of oil spill out throughout the Gulf of Mexico. Well, that was horrible. You know, they're closing beaches, there's tar balls that are washing up. The problem is, is that none of the tar actually touched the building. Mm. None of the oil actually touched any building. Just as the coronavirus today hasn't physically touched a building. Mm. And your loss of income is driven by property coverages. So your property itself has not been impacted by this. Wow. That, now, I, before this goes too far, I, I want to make the qualifier. In my 27 years of doing this, I have had more insurance companies go out of business then I have clients. I am not a fan of the insurance companies because I understand their policy language. I understand what they're selling you. Mm -hmm. And it's been my goal in 27 years to help you understand what you're buying. But you're real. It's the time that I've ever told somebody they needed to buy more coverage. But I guess the to stay on uh, what I think people want to know is or not will maybe reaffirm so when when people have income protection so like if a hurricane comes through and they their, their property is physically damaged so they don't have um, so they really have that loss of income uh, that income loss protection is tied to the physical and not to the uh, just the fact that there's income loss which I'm sure as an innkeeper, I would have never thought that. You know, I was an innkeeper for 12 years, and I remember the oil spill. And I remember people getting reimbursed, but it wasn't me. I, I you know, somehow I, I always lose out on, on those reimbursements. So, and the biggest problem that you run into, and, and we see this every time that there's a hurricane. When the hurricane hit Mexico City Beach a few years ago, businesses were directly impacted. Mm -hmm. And it took away the building. Okay, so they received payment for that. Yeah. There were a lot of businesses that didn't take any physical damage to the structure themselves, but they were shut down for a week, 10 days, a month, because there was no electricity. The roads were impassable. The county had issued a stay-at-home order. The county had issued an evacuation order. Yeah. Again, there was no physical damage that was done to the building, so it's not covered. Well, that's, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of innkeepers listening that are sorry to hear that. And like you said, we should understand, but I, do, I just think that we're, we're, when we're in crisis, that we don't think like that. So, agreed. And the, the common response to this point is that the insurance companies have been collecting money for decades. It's time for them to pay their fair share. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I understand the sentiment and I agree completely. But it's not going to happen. The majority of the insurance policies that will cover ends are written by excess and surplus insurance companies. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Their reinsurance, and their reinsurance comes from offshore. 
Yeah. So you're going to find a lot of the insurance policies that are written on you are offered by Lloyds of London or a company based out of Bermuda no. or a company that's based out of Switzerland. And one day I want to have a conversation on just surplus markets because I think it's so unfair, which is another topic, and I'll, I'll just get off my high horse in a minute, but... I think it's so unfair that bed and breakfast ends are a lot of times in great properties, you know, home, home type properties that have fire sprinkler systems, have, you know, the fire extinguishers, all the safety things that you would, that, that's more than a regular home, yet we find ourselves in a surplus market, which uh, kind of triples, if not quadruples, what we would have paid as a homeowner. So let's not go there. But let me ask you... An, Another question, if you don't mind, because based on what you said, I think there's probably going to be lawsuits that want to enforce the income protection when it was property and their lack of understanding or attorneys will try. We've already seen this right now. There's a bunch of restaurateurs that have banded together and have come and tried to force legislation into place on this. Well, the flip side to this is also that the Congress has taken up a current bill to limit the amount of COVID-19 lawsuits that can happen. Mm. So this is one of those double-edged swords that comes out. They don't want individual restaurants, inns, hospitals to be able to be sued because somebody can claim that they caught the COVID virus at your place. It's an improvable claim, but that doesn't stop the attorneys from taking it. Yeah, and it, and it, what I always said, when you get attorneys involved, the only one that makes the money is the attorneys. <laughs> That's what I've always felt. Okay, so what does the future look like for ensuring bed and breakfast uh, ends, and what's happening in the marketplace today? Um, I, I say this from my perspective as an agent that only deals in this. We're very blessed in, in the variety of companies that we are able to represent. Um, right now we're in a down cycle, even before the virus and the pandemic arrived, you saw a lot of companies that were exiting the lodging and hospitality insurance business mm. and that market's continuing to shrink at an even more rapid pace. Now that this has happened, um, one of the biggest insurance agencies that was out there that offered policies has lost their reinsurance. They're not able to renew any of their policies on a national basis. So and this has caused a lot of scuffling around in the marketplace. Um, a lot of the companies that are still offering coverage are seeing this as an opportunity now for them to increase their prices on it because there is a lack of competition. And we're all, wait, we're already in the surplus market, which is ridiculous. So you're saying they're probably going to raise their prices even more? I'm looking right now on same month renewals almost doubling. That's crazy. And it's on a liability basis. If a company is even willing to offer coverage right now, one of the biggest problems that we've got into is that the companies have now gotten very gun shy because of all the talk of lawsuits. So if your policy is renewing within the next 90 days and the insurance company is not offering a renewal, you may be hard-pressed to find a company that's even willing to offer the same terms that you had before at even less than twice the rate you were paying. Well, one thing that I used... Well, I, I was going to... I said used to. That's not what I mean. <laughs> 
I always recommended you in another um, Florida agency to my clients when I'm helping them uh, buy a property because I felt that you really cared and you gave them the best rates. You could beat almost anybody and I appreciated that. And before that, I, I knew it was like Lloyd's of London, Essex, and one other and that were part of the surplus market. So is Lloyd's of London still in or not? To a very limited degree. Uh. And, and one of the problems that we're running into, last year at this same time, I had 11 different companies that specialized in just this niche of the world. Mm. So there was a lot of choices that we had, and we could very easily pick whichever one was the best. As of today, in this market, they're now full. Wow. That's scary, especially with all the financial, um, I'm going to say, complications of the virus, because I just did an article this morning on, you know, um, how are you going to reimagine your end for social distancing, for sanitation, you know, what protocols are going to be put in place, and, you know, getting uh, masks for their staff, things like that. All of this is going to cost extra, and um, I would imagine insurance isn't on anybody's mind about it being extra. Right. So what should a, a better breakfast... I, I think what we're going to see coming forward is that the small boutiques the individual owners, the, the person that is not the 50, 100 unit property is going to rebound much faster. I believe that. And that was part of my article. I, I said, you know, uh, there's a 70% of the population is ready to go travel when, when the bans are lifted. But I personally would feel better going to a smaller property where I have a key to the door, to the front door, to my room. You know, I'm not touching exactly. elevator button buttons and and doing all of that. You if know, you're sharing a property with ten people versus a thousand people, you're going to feel more at ease. Well, and you, the protocols that the owners can put in the in place are, you know, having you know sanitizing wipes everywhere, or hand sanitizers, all of that. They just have to be able to market that. But I know um, this podcast could be heard by anyone, but in Florida, you know, what should bed and breakfasts be doing now, uh, especially if there's going to be an insurance problem and, and hurricane season is coming upon us soon? Um, FRLA and the CDC guidelines, I think, are sensible. You know, yeah. using sterilizing wipes, having hand sanitizer available. These are things that most of your better places are already doing anyways. Yeah. You know, telling somebody that they need to wipe down a urinal on a daily basis is something that's already happening with the majority of the people that are going to hear this. Yeah. This is not going to come as a surprise. And when you read the CDC and the FRLA guidelines, they're not onerous by any stretch. They've not recommended anything too terribly radical. So I don't really see this as being an obstacle going forward for the small ends. Well, I guess I I'm the larger properties that are running into financial straits. Well, they are going can't to be in a very different situation. Yeah, because they last week there was a large article on the Wall Street Journal where they were discussing one of the Fountain Blues problems that they were running into was that the money had dried up for them. They were looking at reorganizing. All of their restaurants and venues were shut down, 
and the amount of revenue that they generated from that was the size of a portion of their operating items. Yeah. And they're not going to be able to enjoy that going forward, which I think leaves a big opening, again, for the boutiques that are out here and the smaller properties because they're able to more cater than to that breadth. Well, and they can up, they can up open their business right away because a lot of them are mom and pa, and some of them have small staff, but they don't have a hundred room hotel where they're going to have to get employees, you know, have their employees pay. And I, so I, I do agree with that. But I guess my question is back to the insurance uh, because, um, you know, with the liability and all of that, those costs going up. But what about because usually. Um, I'm, I'm, tell me about, uh, for the hurricane, the wind, the wind coverage, is that? In advance of wind season, the one biggest thing that you can do to be a benefit to yourself is wind mitigation. All insurance companies give you a credit of some capacity for wind mitigation. And the largest one that's out there is what's called opening protection. Uh, and using citizens as our example here, citizens in the state of Florida is the insurer of last resort. It is a state-run insurance pool. Yeah. And if you are on any barrier, island, or structure close to the water, citizens is your carrier. Now, in their particular instance, when they say opening protection, they're very aggressive with the wording on it. And they want it on every window, every door, every vent. If it's a bathroom window... They want there to be some type of opening protection. Mm. Now, this can be as inexpensive as the aluminum shutters you buy from the local hardware store and put up. And they don't require them to be up all the time for you to get the credit. Mm. So that is your single biggest thing that you can do. A client of mine just saw a 23% reduction in his rates simply because he had shutters on the property. He didn't have them up. Mm. But he has them on the property. That's pretty cool. And is that the ones where you see the little um, pegs coming out and you just put the aluminum um, yes. panel? Yes. Yes. And then they have wing nuts that um, put them on. And so that means it won't look ugly all the time. Right. <laughs> just so some. wind mitigation is the single biggest thing that an inn can do for themselves. Make sure that these are able to be installed and then have somebody, a contractor or an inspector, come out and give you the wind mitigation forms and credits. Hmm. This is a huge discount, and everybody should be taking advantage of it. It's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars to get the mitigation done. You're going to spend however much it costs to get the panels in place. But in the majority of instances, this is a 10-year rolling credit. That so what you spend today... You're going to realize that savings for the next decade. But especially with costs going up, that's yes. just one way to maybe make it an equalizer, you know, right. for um, for that. So, and I would imagine that some ends are concerned too about not only their safety measures and protocols, but you touched on it briefly early uh, earlier in the uh, in liability if a guest gets sick. So, do innkeepers. Like I put in my article today, you know, they have digital thermometers with throwaway plastic sleeves. Do we take the temperature of our staff, staff and our guests every day and or, or before we let them in because we don't have test kits? Or, I mean, what, 
What do you think? I, I, you know, I know they're going to establish protocols on probably a national level, you know, AHLA and FRLA and all of the alphabet. But um, what do you think um, about, uh, should an N be fearful if somebody actually contracts a disease while they're there? Like you said, they can't prove that they've been there or not. Well, and I see, I think one of the problems, and this is one of the areas that I'm looking hopefully at Congress, is that they're working hard to get this legislation passed to protect the various places from the threat of lawsuits from exposure to the virus itself. Because it is impossible at this moment, unless you have the CDC show up on your door, to determine if the virus is present or not. That's true. So at this point now it's all hearsay. I contracted the virus here. Well, how do you know? Well, and one of the problems that you always run into when it comes to the legality of these things is how do you prove something didn't happen? Yeah. It's an impossibility. Well, it's not like the liability then back onto the innkeeper. And that's not a covered item on insurance. So when the SARS outbreak happened back in early 2000s, and we saw this with Legionnaires' disease that's come up over the years, the insurance companies have put an exclusion on all of their liability policies for bacterial, viral, and a variety host of other exclusions that are there. Mm-hmm. They won't even cover the liability if somebody claims they got sick at your property and they're now suing you. Well, let me ask you the reverse of that. Let's yes. because. If, if I if I have the virus and uh, I see you for a, a day, I'm not sick the next day. Do you know what right. I mean? Or you're not sick the next day. It's if there's an incubation period, what seven to fourteen days, something like that. So what happens, or do you, just in your own opinion, what uh, or in your expertise, I should say, is so let's say someone comes to their inn and brings the virus and makes the innkeeper sick. Do you think they would have any recourse if the people knowingly had the virus before they got there? Just curious. I don't know how. Yeah. Um, the problem that you get into is if you take just even a small inn that's got 10 rooms and the flow of traffic is normal, the average person stays three days each time. So you've got, you know, and you've got two people to each room. You have 20 people that are unique to the property on a rotational basis. You now experience 80 different people during the course of a week. How do you prove and actually prove that X person guest 17 is the one that gave it to you? It's true. I, you know, yeah. What scares me with this is the frivolous lawsuits that are going to be launched by this. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I'm taking calls from attorneys on a Sunday. I haven't met an attorney that worked on a Sunday yet. <laughs> but right now, they are because they smell blood in the water for this. Yeah. And this will impact all of us before it's done. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this topic is so interesting and educational and enlightening and scary all at the same time, if that makes sense. <laughs> the, uh, you know, we all are in business, and we want to stay in business, and we love our hospitality industry, and we love interacting with people. It's why we do it. And uh, I do think the industry will rebound 
faster uh, with the smaller properties and want to try to get the information out to all the ends um, of what they should be preparing for now, which, um, which is important. But I just want to thank you, Tom, so much for taking just the time. Okay. And, and to me, it's a glimmer of hope. Okay. Because it's the people that are in the business versus the people that are outside looking in. Mm -hmm. UBS Penny Weber this last week published a rather famous article stating that they didn't see that Disney and all of its properties would be able to open up until January 2021. Mm. Disney this week opened up their online booking site and they're taking reservations effective June 1st at their properties. Wow. Now, when you're looking at the largest entertainment conglomerate on the planet that is in every country that is impacted by this and affected, I'm guessing they know something. Yeah. They've got this worked out, and the protocols are now in place. If, you're, if you've gotten just in the Orlando market, when you stop and think about it, they have 70,000 employees in just the Orlando marketplace. It is the largest one single-site workforce in the entire world second only to the Pentagon. Wow. So when you've got that much on the line and they're willing to reopen under the threat of lawsuits without anything having happened in Congress yet, they've got it worked out. So I expect this to come down the line to everybody else very quickly. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I, I was listening to... Um uh, I think it was Roger Dow. He was he's on the U.S. Travel Association and met with the president, and they were talking about, you know, putting uh, protocols like uniform protocols in place, but also um, just go out there and, uh, and and be prepared. And that's kind of what my message is too. And I've always I've always been an optimist and believe if you could think it, you can do it. You know, and and creative on on that way. But I you know I really hope that. We can have other conversations about insurance issues because you do so well and educate me all the time on it. And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you being here today uh, with me. And I'll just remind our listeners that you're uh, Thomas Norush, N-O-R-U-S-H. It's probably Norush, but I love Norush because I just love that attitude. But <laughs> anyway, you're, you're very efficient and you stay on top of things at Florida Hospitality Insurance and you're out of Orlando. Uh, I'm Patty Detweiler at the B&B Expert, and if you have any questions or would like any other specific topics you'd like addressed, you can email me at the, T-H-E, B-N-B, like and boy, expert at gmail.com. And I thank you so much for listening, and we'll be able to have another podcast soon. So thank you.